Welcome. In this episode, we will be debating whether e-procurement stops corruption. Welcome to the Working Capitalists. Hello, my name is Brian Shanahan. I'm the founder of Informative and TermsCheck.com. I've been working in the subjects of working capital and procurement for approximately 25 years all over the earth. Hi, my name is Lane Burkett. I'm from Arizona and working closely with Brian and with Informata on working capital projects in all corners of the globe. E-procurement may have different meanings to different people. When we're talking about e-procurement today, how are we defining it? Well, uh, I mean, my own opinion is uh, it's a, a very, very broad church. You could argue that uh, someone who's simply using their ERP system to place a, a PO and so on is using maybe a simplistic form of e-procurement. But increasingly, you know, we have electronic catalogs of all sorts of different descriptions uh, around the place. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the formal e-procurement system tends to form two quite different roles where one, uh, you have a company who want to have a much simpler system than their expensive ERP system. And the other version is largely in public procurement where they want to f- force people not to use the paper anymore, uh, very often because they see it either as an efficiency gain, which it may or may not be, or they see that it's a, a way of clamping down on corruption. If you look at countries like Ghana and Kenya, or you go to Jamaica or places like this, this is a big thing that they're all implementing at the moment, or South Africa and places like that, because they're they're trying to get away from the idea of the backroom deals and artificially inflated prices and all this kind of stuff, which very often has gone on in some of these places in the past. And they see e-procurement as a way of capturing all the information so that they knew who bought what from where and what price, and, and it's all recorded very easily. So if there is a subsequent investigation, the information can be found far easier than it was in the past. The definition of e-procurement in many of the companies that I've been working with here in the U.S. may be slightly different. So people may be thinking of more an e-auction, a reverse auction as e-procurement, because sometimes that's uh, how the term is used here. But as you say, it could be catalogs, it could be any number of uh, technologies, could be e-procurement, even down to uh, buying things off of Amazon. Is that e-procurement when we're going and buying something electronically, doing all of the research and and even all of our payment? There's never a physical contact between two people. So it can mean many different things. Well, Um, I think think one one of the things that there is a danger of with that kind of e-procurement is, is what I call lazy procurement. I've seen this happen, uh, particularly in the US, where someone says, oh, we need to buy such and such an item, yeah? And, oh, I'll tell you what, we'll go straight to our system and, uh, and we'll put out for you know three or four quotes and that's it. And they're effectively using the old fashioned three quotes process, yeah, which I think is particularly inefficient, but they're now using an electronic platform to do it. And they may argue that they get good prices and all that, but there is no evidence whatsoever that they actually do get the best price or the best quality or anything, because, of course, you're completely dependent on the information and the suppliers who are actually signed up to that system. And some of them is really not easy to do so. And the likelihood that you're actually getting the very best price 
when you're limiting yourself to to that particular population is actually relatively low over a long period of time. Uh, oftentimes, there's an immediate savings with companies that have not really competed bids before, where there has been an incumbent supplier who's been entrenched for years, sometimes decades, and then they implement a system like this, and there's an immediate benefit associated with it. So then there's this idea that we will continue to get the best prices if we continue using this kind of a system. And I'm not against fee procurement because there are lots of advantages. Take the catalog idea. Um, catalogs well done are a very good tool, but the well done piece is quite important. I mean, I'll give you an example. Many years ago, uh, I was working with a company who found that their spend on stationery had jumped by 27% in one year. And the reason it happened was because they did a tender process. The company that won the tender said, oh, listen, we have this electronic catalog, so you can order your stuff really easily. That's great. But the tender was for 200 specific items. But unfortunately, what they did with the electronic catalog was they opened up the entire catalog. So literally, you were getting guys getting, you know, monogrammed iPads and all sorts of stuff that they really shouldn't have been buying, whatever. But of course, it was available on the catalog. And that's why their spend went up. So so it was a well-meaning process. And to be fair, the, the company involved wasn't trying to rip anybody off. They just switch on the catalog. No one thought about it. And suddenly the spend went through the roof. And a catalog that's implemented properly actually has availability only of the items that were contracted for. Absolutely. And uh, especially around office supplies, this is very, very important. But it can also be uh, a great place to take control of MRO in a manufacturing environment because maintenance departments and night shift at the factory, because I used to be a night shift supervisor, we were famous for finding a way to get exactly what it was we wanted by bypassing the procurement process, uh, the, the formal procurement process. And, and catalogs can be a great way of making sure that what is required is available, but what is not required is controlled. Yeah, but what they, what they are good at is, uh, you see this in many factory situations where, oh, I need that part. But you know what? Fred's only 10 minutes down the road and you can get it to me right away. Breaks all the rules completely. But th this is the excuse. Uh, and you very often find that that part, actually, it could have been a better part, a cheaper part, uh, and maybe even more quickly from someone else. But this is the anecdote. And the anecdote is quite hard to challenge in that respect without having proper processes in place. So ear, ear procurement has got a very strong place for me like that. I think where ear procurement is weak is in the service area. There's more of a need to qualify the supplier, the service offering, the costs involved and so on. And it is more difficult than doing it, say, for an engineered product. Uh, and you could argue that because the vetting process is so important for those services, what's the difference between that vetting process going through an e-procurement platform or not? So, so therefore, you can argue that you put in this e-procurement system to you know, clamp down on fraud, corruption, all this kind of stuff. But many of the processes that actually create the opportunity for corruption are actually the processes, particularly around services, that precede the part of the process that's transactional. So let's say someone's inflated the price by 20%. You're not going to know that from looking at the e-procurement system. Especially if it's done 
across the board within a, a services industry that it's known that you can charge this particular company a little more than the others and they will pay it. Uh, that's known across many services businesses. And e-procurement works the best where there's heavy competition, where there's strong competition, mm -hmm. and that competition is based on price. Then the e-procurement systems work the best. Whether you're talking about catalogs or reverse auctions or uh, any other kind of e-procurement uh, system, the competition is the key to getting the efficiencies you're hoping for. Where we have suppliers that are truly strategic partners, where they have embedded themselves in our products or our services, then e-procurement is not necessarily going to get the benefits that we would hope because there's no no one for them to compete against in the first place. True. I think that in those situations, the only advantage of using an e-procurement system uh, is that usually it's a much cheaper process than if you go through your regular ERP system. Uh, and if I give an example of that, I mean, two companies, SAP and Basware. SAP, you know, one license, okay, varies from company to company and types of users, but, you know, you're, you're looking at somewhere around 500 bucks a head, probably, and maybe a little bit more. Whereas someone like Basware, they, they market themselves that they have a much simpler process, doesn't have to go through so many authorizations, you don't need to pay the SAP license, uh, therefore you can have the, the same non-procurement buyer buying from say a catalog or something and your your saving is effectively the software cost of sap versus basware which is much cheaper per user their offering is not you're going to get better prices or anything like that. it's simply it's a cheaper software and in many cases that does make sense and there's other companies do that uh, obviously not trying to sponsor either sap or basware yeah because there's lots of other people who do this i think there's a lack of clarity sometimes about what that's about and equally, you find in public sector, very often when they put in e-procurement systems, they do it in the most inefficient way possible because effectively they replicate the red tape style bureaucratic procedure that was there before. So you end up with too many authorizations, too many you know, useless loops of process in the, in the middle of it. And actually, uh, it may end up that you make a more expensive process. Because now we have to maintain master data and all sorts of different things, which maybe we didn't have to do before. Yeah, I was working with one utility company and they actually uh, had implemented the RF or RFP process. And at the end of the RFP process, then they would run a reverse auction, which is to me completely redundant, a duplication of processes because your supplier is never going to give you the best quote when they know they're going to be put up to auction next. True. And especially when they're doing it as a matter of course, getting into the reverse auction idea and how these work, it's basically taking a population of suppliers and allowing them to bid on a pool of products or services that we've put out for bid and they can they can see the last bid to see how much the other suppliers are are offering. So it's a very competitive process. There are some things that are often misunderstood though around this process. The first is that the pool of products or services has to be representative of what you really need to run your business. You can't let the suppliers cherry pick and only bid on part of what you need. 
because they will they will bid on what's most efficient for them that, that they can do at the least cost. But you need everything in that pool. And that's often a mistake that people make when they're first starting out with an e-procurement system. They don't look at their entire portfolio of their need. They only look at the things that the supplier wants to produce for us and wants to do for us, not what we actually need to get from them. But there's also a danger, I totally agree with you, but there's also a danger that we end up buying things we don't need. So if I take an example of something like uh, uh, the mega catalogs, things like Ariba and people like that, yeah, uh, there's lots and lots of things on there, or Amazon, yeah, um, that are on there that you probably don't need, yeah, but you see, you can see them. So it's tempting to go, oh, low value purchase, oh, I want them. Or you know it, uh, you have needless expenditure going out the door simply because you've provided a capability of doing it. Now, again, that goes back to what you were saying earlier, Lane, to say that, you know, just like the catalog thing, you need to restrict it to the to the, to the the agreed products and categories and all that kind of stuff, yeah? Uh, or, or else you're actually opening yourself up for additional expenditure, not reduced expenditure. And the other thing is that there's a perception that, that e-procurement takes away the need to do the hard work of procurement, which is really understanding your category because you're putting all of the focus on price, but there's always the risk if we put too much focus on price that we'll start paying the price in other places with quality or or with delivery or with quantities. We may be, may be getting uh, into minimum order quantities that are not beneficial for our business. And so it's it's very important to understand and look at the entire process. And and for the procurement people, especially where expenditure is high, to make sure that they are doing all of the hard work of understanding the suppliers and understanding uh, the category and learning more about what they buy. I've been working with several companies lately where I'll ask for a show of hands when I'm doing a workshop and say, um, how many of you know the physical characteristics of what you buy? In other words, do you know what it looks like, what you're buying? <laughs> and uh, and you'd be surprised the number of people who do not raise their hand. They they no. really don't have any idea what they're buying. They don't know what it looks like. That's very and, scary. And uh, yeah, that's it, it. Seems fundamental. But as we professionalize and as we differentiate into supply chain programs into separating procurement from some of the other functions in the business, it becomes a, a real challenge for them to understand if my procurement department is in Toronto and I'm buying for uh, a plant that's manufacturing in Winnipeg, I may not ever get out there to see what it is that they're using. I may never see the product. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the um, one of the challenges when you have shared service organizations is do we know what we're buying? And e-procurement does not take away the requirement for the buyer to understand what it is they're buying. I couldn't agree more. And, and I think this is also kind of evidence of a greater problem when we talk about non-core procurement or even MRO procurement is that you know, it's seen as kind of the least important category. You know, the, the guys who are buying the raw materials and all that, they're, they're usually the kings in procurement. And I'm not saying they do a bad job or anything like that. Uh, many of them do a great job, but they very often then give 
the MRO non-core spend category to one of the, the more junior people in the department. They've got less experience, less this. They give them these e-procurement tools because they, they just want a cheap process and they realize someone has to do it, but they don't see any real value in it, which I, personally I completely disagree with. You know, for me, if, you, if you're buying pencils or you're buying oil, yeah, there are still rules of procurement that need to be followed. You know, like you say, know, know what you're buying, actually physically know what the hell it is. Go to the factory, see how it's being used. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, when I do factory tours, you know, I, I look for, you know, stupid things like the label on a piece of machinery, you know, because it tells me who supplied it. Uh, I look I look at all sorts of things which try to tell me who these suppliers are, what they're doing, talk to the people in the plant about what is this for and so on. And, and by that, you understand why we buying, who we buying from, uh, and you can actually visualize it in your mind. And that helps greatly then in terms of trying to figure out who are the competitors, who are potential suppliers who are not using, and that, that kind of more innovative things you can do in procurement. And unfortunately, many e-procurement platforms are simply about just click that button and do it. So if you, right. you know, it's, just about, it's just about a cheap process and mm -hmm. you know, trying to take away the thinking behind what is viewed as a, a valueless procurement function. And personally, I fundamentally disagree with that philosophy. Yeah, and it doesn't do anything to remove the possibility of collusion or the the possibility mm -hmm. that our suppliers may be overcharging us if we don't know what we're buying. The fundamental rules of procurement still apply, even though it may make the process more efficient, it may make it easier to open up to new suppliers in some ways, but at the same time, the possibility of corruption still exists, even with the e-procurement systems. There's a, an article that I, I've been really enjoying following uh, there were some professors in Spain, actually, who who built a uh, pricing tool. Because if you look at Amazon, you look at uh, some of these other online purchasing platforms, you'll see prices that are are strange. You know, why would I pay seven dollars and eighteen cents? Why is this priced at twenty seven forty five? That seems like a strange pricing. Well, those prices are all set by AI engines, so it's artificial intelligence going out and and trolling for data uh, on that platform and on others to see what they should charge for their product products and the the prices are set by artificial intelligence. That's why they come in at those at those strange numbers. But what these uh, professors did is they built their own AI engines and then and then had them do go into a, a pricing mode using uh, similar algorithms to what are being used by the existing AI engines out there today. And they found that those AI engines actually learned to collude uh, relatively quickly and keep prices at a higher level than was considered necessarily the optimal for the product um, because they were always watching each other and seeing how much profit they could make for their particular product. And so they learned to collude. So the, the question is risen then, is, is AI collusion actually illegal if there aren't any people making the decision? Um, and that's, that's one that's being raised by uh, legal counsel in, in Europe and in the US today to try to understand the limits of artificial intelligence, but we can't take, uh, take our eye off the ball and, 
and assume that because we're using uh, electronic systems that collusion or corruption won't creep in. Well, I agree. I mean, and there's there's absolutely no substitute for the basics. And we see this in so many other subjects, don't we? That, you know, it's great to have a new toy, isn't it? Uh, and it's all very exciting and different and all that kind of good stuff. But it doesn't necessarily mean that because we have the new toy that we're going to prevent the mistakes of the past. As a matter of fact, sometimes we ensconce them into a, a new system. <laughs> That's one of the, certainly well, one well, of the... Well, you're absolutely right, because one of the dangers of these kinds of systems ultimately is that people forget how to do the buying. They forget the methodology behind why do I buy product X versus product Y and price and quality and specification, all that good stuff. And if you simply let the machine do it, then we'll get to a point where where we won't have people who can do this properly or they'll have to be completely retrained from scratch. And um, and you, you see that in other subjects in, in finance and procurement where people have literally forgotten how to do something which maybe years ago was done laboriously and manually and we don't want to go back to that but the basics the basic kind of philosophy and skills behind these things has just gone and it, it can lead to actually larger inefficiencies in the long run and the companies that are able to enable good processes with technology are the ones who will get the most benefit from it absolutely absolutely but i think in summary there are many great e-procurement platforms out there but bad workman always blames his tools, but we know that the, there might not be anything wrong with the tools. You have been listening to The Working Capitalists. Thank you for listening. Look out for the next episode, which will be coming soon.